make suhoor, eat the pre-dawn meal because Assalamu alaikum guys, welcome back to another podcast, another episode. Today, we finally have Yaseen on board with me after a very long time, and as well as our Sheikh Ahmed. How are you doing, Sheikh? Alhamdulillah, alhamdulillah. How's it going, guys? Alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah, going good. Finally, after so many episodes. After a long wait. Exactly. I'm, I'm blessed to be on this very special podcast, mashallah, that I endorse for the most part. Mm-hmm. For the most part. For the most part. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> so, what do you bring to the table today? Today, inshallah, we'll discuss uh, the fiqh of fasting because uh, the month of Ramadan, which is a blessed and most sacred month, is approaching. And uh, what better time to prepare for it than right now? Because some of us deceive ourselves into thinking that when Ramadan comes, we will suddenly change and start worshipping Allah day and night. But essentially, we're only deceiving ourselves when we think like this. Why? Let me give an example. It's a very beautiful example. You have a ceiling fan, and the ceiling fan is on. When you turn the ceiling fan off, does it stop right away? No. It slows down, it slows down, then eventually it comes to a halt. When a person is sitting for 11 months in the year, when Ramadan comes and if you think you're going to stop your sins right when Ramadan starts, you're mistaken. That couldn't be farther from the truth. So, we must know that the Sahaba radiallahu anhum used to prepare for the month of Ramadan six months in advance. Six months in advance. And their Ramadan was so powerful, was so spiritually uplifting, that it was a boost and source of motivation for them for six months. So they were in the Ramadan vibe for the entire year. For the entire year. And we never know, this may be our last Ramadan, because life is so uncertain. SubhanAllah, we hear people in the community you know, passing away, some of our friends and our relatives, they pass away. This is from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So there's no doubt that we must make the best of every good act in the month of Ramadan because every good deed in the month of Ramadan is multiplied. Is multiplied 70 times the like thereof. 70 times. This is the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Meaning, if a person does a, a supererogatory action, a nafil action, something extra, then that is boosted up to the reward of a fard, of, 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 of an obligatory action. And an obligatory action is multiplied 70 times, subhanAllah. This is the power of the month of Ramadan. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has blessed certain time periods and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has blessed certain places. Okay? Places, for example, Medina, Mecca, Al-Aqsa. These are sanctified places that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has blessed. 
He calls these places barakna hawlahu. The word baraka. They're divinely blessed. Similarly, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has blessed time periods, certain nights, certain uh, sets of nights, for example. Laylatul Qadr, which falls in the month of Ramadan. Other examples, the, the, the three white days every month and the six days of Shawwal. Because they're both, the, the, both of them are blessed. They're the, the Ayyamul Bild, three days of every Islamic month, the 13th, the 14th, and the 15th, the six days of Shawwal. These are days which you should fast on. These are days that a person should fast on. But specifically blessed days, the first 10 days of Dhul Hijjah, the night of the 15th night of Sha'ban, you know, these are days Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and, and sets of days Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has blessed. And from amongst these, the greatest is the month of Ramadan. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has blessed this month over every other month. And the most effective way we can make the best of this Ramadan and receive immense rewards is to prepare for it now. And what, what's the biggest component of the month of Ramadan? Fasting. Fasting. Exactly. That is the number one main component of the month of Ramadan. The Prophet ﷺ, he says in a hadith, مَنْ صَامَ رَمَضَانَ إِيمَانًا وَاحْتِسَابًا غُفِرَ لَهُ مَا تَقَدَّمَ مِنْ ذَنْبِ Whoever fasts in the month of Ramadan, believing in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, firm belief in their heart, and ihtisab. What is ihtisab? Accountability, but what type of accountability? Knowing the rewards that you're getting for the deeds that you do. It is knowing that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is rewarding me for this fasting. That is ihtisab. Do we know that every good deed we carry out, we have to do, we must do it with ihtisab. If we don't know the reward that we're getting for the deed that we're doing, that deed is useless. Why are you praying? And it's just up, down, touch the ground, out of town. What is that? What's, what's the point? What's the benefit? We must know that the Prophet ﷺ says in a hadith, Salatul Jama'ati afdalu min salatul fadli bi sab'in wa ashreena daraja. Praying in congregation is 27 times more superior than performing salah individually. So we must know that the Salatul Maghrib that we perform together, it was 27 times more superior than if we were at home on a Sunday night performing it by ourselves. And it doesn't stop there. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He says in the Holy Quran that whoever does a good deed, it's multiplied by 10. But the mercy of Allah doesn't end there. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He gives us other excuses and other reasons to multiply our good deeds, subhanAllah. But when it comes to committing sin, the hadith of the Prophet ﷺ, an amazing hadith. A person intends to do a good deed. Intends to do a good deed. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives that person one hasana, one good deed, just for the intention. If that person executes that good deed, does it, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives him 10 rewards. Minimum, 10. Guaranteed. If a person intends to do a bad deed, commit a sin, but because they have fear of Allah, they feel guilty, they say, you know what, I'm not going to go through with it. They, if they don't even verbalize it, in their mind, they were planning on doing a little something, but their conscience said, no, I can't do it. 
Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives that person one good deed. This is the mercy of Allah. You get a good deed for thinking of doing something bad, but just because you didn't go through with it, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala rewarded you. And if you do end up committing that sin, is it ten sins? One. No, it's just one. This is the mercy of Allah. And Ramadan is the month of mercy. Ramadan is the month of mercy. Let's take full advantage of the month of Ramadan. That's, that's what we need to do. Now, as we mentioned, the biggest component, the most important component in the month of Ramadan is fasting. So, when it comes to fasting, it's like any other, it's like any other deed, a very important action, like salah, like praying, ritual prayer. If you want your, the quality of your salah to be good, then you need to know what you're doing. You need to know the rules of salah, how to perform salah, what to do in the different arkan, in the different components of prayer, so that you can perform it the way Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants you to perform that salah. So similarly, when we fast, we need to know the rules of fasting. Right? We need to know the rules of fasting. So today, inshallah, what we'll discuss is the rules and the the fiqh of fasting. So the jurisprudential rulings on fasting. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He says, يَا أَيُّهَا الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا كُتِبَ عَلَيْكُمُ الصِّيَامُ كَمَا كُتِبَ عَلَى الَّذِينَ مِنْ قَبْلِكُمْ لَعَلَّكُمْ تَتَّقُونَ لَعَلَّكُمْ تَتَّقُونَ So, in this verse, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He tells us the purpose of fasting. What's the purpose of fasting? To stay hungry, to... Subhanallah. That's it. It's in the verse. It's in the verse. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, O you who believe, fasting has been made obligatory on you just as it was made obligatory on those before you. But why? Why do we fast? So that you may attain taqwa. God consciousness. What is taqwa? Subhanallah. Taqwa is so deep. And there are different levels of taqwa as well. And there's a concept called wara'. What is wara'? Wara' is that concept. Let me explain it through the lens of the prophetic tradition where the Prophet ﷺ, he says, الحلال بين والحرام بين وبينهما مشتبهات. And the, and the hadith goes on. That halal, things that are permissible are clear as day. Drinking water, today if you go and drink some water, it's permissible, go ahead. والحرام بين. And the forbidden acts are also clear as day. Lying, gambling, all of these are forbidden acts. وَبَيْنَهُمَا مُشْتَبِهَاتِ Prophet ﷺ, he says that in between the permissible acts and the impermissible acts is the gray area. مُشْتَبِهَاتِ And then the Prophet ﷺ goes on to explain that a person needs to stay away from the gray area. Needs to stay away from the gray area. Because there's a possibility that if you, if you meddle in that area, then you will end up on the wrong side of the fence, meaning you will end up falling in sin and haram. So what is wara'? <coughs> wara' is staying away from things that are permissible, but they have the potential of leading you into haram, so you cut it off. <coughs> you say, you know what? I'm, I'm just going to cut it off completely, cold turkey, just because it can lead me to haram. 
That is wara. Now Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He says, لَعَلَّكُمْ تَتَّقُونَ So that we can attain taqwa. We can attain taqwa. This is why we fast. Let me give an example. In the month of Ramadan, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He tells us to stay away from things that are halal, that are completely fine outside of the month of Ramadan. For example, eating, drinking, fulfilling your desires with your spouse. These are things that are completely permissible outside of the month of Ramadan. When it comes to the month of Ramadan, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us to stop these things. Why? So that we can learn to control our nafs. We can learn to control our ego selves. We can learn to control our ego selves. Has, has this happened to any one of you? That after Ramadan is done, maybe the day of Eid or the next day, during the middle of the day, you get thirsty. So you go drink some water and you feel, you feel, you feel guilty. Wrong. It feels wrong. Exactly, right? This happens, right? This happens to us. Imagine if we feel guilty about doing things that are permissible. Imagine controlling, being able to control your nafs to the extent that how much a person will feel guilty of committing a sin. If you feel guilty drinking water, this is how we should train our nafs. This is the purpose of Ramadan. We feel guilty doing something that's completely permissible. We need to cut out all the bad habits in the month of Ramadan so that we can actually train our nafs, build good habits. Build good habits. And psychologists, they say that it takes, some of them say, you know, they've done different research studies, 18 days, some of them say, but majority of them say it takes 30 days to get rid of a bad habit and to build a good habit. If you do something consecutively for 30 days, subhanAllah. Look at the wisdom in, in, in the 30 days of fasting. Nevertheless, the Prophet wasallam he says in a hadith that I quoted, whoever fasts in Ramadan with firm belief and with hope of gaining reward, his previous sins will be forgiven. This is the, 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 the promise of the Prophet wasallam. This is recorded in Bukhari and Muslim. And the Prophet wasallam he says, there is a gate in Jannah that's called Ar-Rayyan, through which only the people who fast would be able to enter. On the day of resurrection, no one else will enter except for them. And after the last one enters, that gate will be closed. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given such a high status and a rank to those people that fast, giving them such izzah, such dignity, that they are given a specific door and gate to enter from in Jannah, subhanAllah. For the people who fast, a specific entrance for a special person. And this is how much value a fasting person holds in the eyes of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And how do we know this? The Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he says in a hadith, and this is a hadith Qudsi, wherein Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says it, and the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam narrates it. And Allah, uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, As-sawmu li wa ana ajzibih. And I'll explain this, I'll explain this. When it comes to, when it comes to praying salah, 
we know the rewards that we get. You can multiply them. You can quantify certain deeds. You can quantify certain deeds. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He says, fasting is solely for me and I will compensate for it. And I will reward my slaves for fasting. It is solely for me. Why is fasting solely for Allah? And why is that being mentioned over here? It's because other actions, other good deeds, we do them and you do them actively. Exactly. You do them actively. For example, to perform salah, you're doing an action. You, there's different components of prayer. You're doing, you know, qiyam, uh, ruku', sujood. You're carrying out, carrying out all these actions. Giving sadaqah or zakat, you know, you're physically giving money. You're doing something. When it comes to fasting, it's, it's a passive deed. You're not actually, you're not actively doing anything. You're refraining from certain things. You're refraining from certain things. So when you're refraining from certain things, no one knows or no one's going to stop you if you, you know, eat or, or drink. But if a person actually fasts without committing any haram, any major sins, then what is the reward for that? The reward, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will grant that person and it's unquantifiable. You can't put a number on it. And imagine the most merciful, the most compassionate is going to reward that person who fasts. Subhanallah. Whereas when it comes to other deeds, you can, you can count them. You can count them, you know, put different ahadith together, the ayat of the Quran, multiply, multiply, and maybe come up with a number. But when it comes to fasting, it's solely for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he says, whoever does not fast one day in Ramadan without having a concession, a reasonable excuse allowing that, or illness, fasting for a lifetime will not make up for it. Fasting for an entire lifetime will not make up for missing one day of Ramadan. Subhanallah. What is the definition of fasting? Let's start from the bottom. It literally means to refrain, to abstain. And the technical definition is to refrain from eating, drinking, and intercourse during the daylight hours, meaning from dawn till dusk, from dawn till sunset, not from sunrise till sunset. And remember, it has to be done with an intention, with an intention. But you have to remember that you don't need to verbalize that intention. You don't need to verbalize that intention. Now, there are different types of fasting. Different types of fasting. There, let's break it down into three categories. The first category, the compulsory fasts, which are Ramadan and vows. What are vows? If a person takes an oath, that if I pass my finals that are coming up in a few weeks, or let's say if I get over 90 in all five of my finals, if I get over 90, then I will fast on the 10th of Shawwal. This is me making an oath. It's called a nadr. Nadr mu'ayyan. If I make this oath, then I must fast on that day. Apart from this oath, it's not necessary to fast on the 10th of Shawwal. It's another average day. It's another regular day. So, if I make this oath, then 
I have to complete it and fulfill the obligation of fasting on that day. Now, the second category, the sunnah and preferred fasts. Some of them? Monday and Thursdays. Mondays and Thursdays. Mondays and Thursdays, subhanAllah. This is a sunnah of the Prophet ﷺ that especially in the West has, has, it's gone. You don't hear about people fasting on Mondays and Thursdays. There's no environment of, of doing iftar on Mondays and Thursdays. Whereas you go to Madinah al-Munawwara and they have iftar every Monday and Thursday together in the masjid, the masjid al-Nabawi. Subhanallah. We have to rejuvenate this, this sunnah. What, is the, what did the Prophet ﷺ say regarding a person who revives a sunnah? He says that person, فَلَهُ أَجْرُ مِئَةِ شَهِيدٍ in one of the narrations. That for that person is the reward of a hundred martyrs. A hundred martyrs. What's the reward of a martyr? Before the martyr's blood even touches the ground, all of his previous sins are forgiven. This is the reward for a person who revives the sunnah. So let's start fasting on Mondays and Thursdays. What day is it tomorrow? Monday. Monday. Let's use tomorrow as a an example or let's use it as a, a model for the month of Ramadan let's treat it as if it is Ramadan so all of the a'mal all of the good deeds that we have planned for the month of Ramadan let's practice them tomorrow and see how they go if we're able to uphold all of the good habits that we're planning on inculcating uh, during the month of Ramadan Mondays and Thursdays. Anything else? You mentioned it? Um, every other day. Every Okay, beautiful. This is Sawmi Dawood Fasting every other day. Sawmi Dawood is fasting every other day. If someone, you know, really wants to get in shape or, or lose a lot of weight, then don't look at intermittent fasting. What's this concept of intermittent fasting? Look at Sawmi Dawood He would fast for one day and exercise patience. And he would eat one day and he would be grateful to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Another sunnah fasting is Al-Ayyamul Bir, the white days. The three white days every month, the 13th, the 14th, and the 15th of every Islamic month. So not of March or April or no, of Muharram, you know, all of the different months of um, the Islamic calendar, the Hijri calendar. The 9th and 10th of Muharram, the day of Arafah, these are preferred fasts. Now, there are six fasts in which month that are sunnah, and if you fast them, it is as if you fasted for the entire year. The month of Shawwal, right after the month of Ramadan. Mm -hmm. The month of Shawwal. The Prophet ﷺ says, whoever keeps six fasts in the month of Shawwal, it is as if he has fasted for the entire year. So if you fast in Ramadan and you fast six days in Shawwal every year, then it's as if you fasted your entire life. Then you'll be guaranteed entry into Jannah through that special gate of Rayyan. What do you have to do? Just fast six days in, in Shawwal. It's not that. It's not that big a deal. We can all do it. It's very manageable. It's very doable. And there are unlawful fasts. There are certain days in the year which is haram to fast. Fasting on the two days of Eid and three days after Eid al-Adha. 
So in total, that's five days. So the day of Eid al-Fitr, the day of Eid al-Adha, and three days after. Not two days after, three days after. So the 11th, 12th, and 13th of Dhul-Hijjah, and the, the two days of Eid. Now, who is fasting compulsory on? Fasting is compulsory on a person who is a Muslim, who is mature, and who's able to fast, meaning does not have a valid exemption. Fasting is not compulsory on, number one, a sick person. Who's considered a sick person? Illness is very broad. Here we're talking about actual sickness, in which case fasting would be detrimental and could lead to the individual's death. Then you will not fast. Then you will not fast. And if you plan on fasting in that case, you will be considered sinful because you will be bringing harm to your body. Now, there are certain solutions uh, if a person is, for example, medicating, then try to medicate, take your medication before fasting or after iftar. But if you get to a point where you feel like you can't fast, then it is best to try to uh, manage and adjust your routine accordingly. Now, when it comes to uh, the second type of person uh, who, uh, upon whom fasting is not compulsory, is a traveler. A traveler at the time of dawn. But if you are able to fast, if it's not a rigorous journey, if it's not a tiring and long journey, then if you're able to keep it, then keep it. Why? You don't want to be that person who's fasting outside of the month of Ramadan alone, making up a fast. You know what I mean? Be in the spirit of Ramadan, even if you're going on a journey, if you're able to handle it. And remember, the key principle for a traveler is that traveling doesn't let you break your fast. Traveling doesn't let you break your fast. Rather, it permits you to not keep the fast in the first place. Did we understand that subtle difference? Traveling doesn't let you break your fast. Rather, it permits you to not keep the fast in the first place. And the point of consideration is when? Is the time before the starting of Fajr, dawn. So when suhoor time ends, when suhoor time ends, that is the point of consideration. Meaning if your journey has begun before then, then you have the concession to fast or not. It's up to you. But if you're, let's say your flight is at uh, 12 p.m. or let's say 10 p.m. You leave early to the, to the airport. It's an international flight. Let's say you leave at 8 a.m. And dawn is at 5.30 a.m. I'm going to ask you guys a question. Does that person have the concession to fast or not fast? Manju answered, no, no. You don't have a choice. Why? Because the point of consideration, the cutoff point was the time? Five, 5.30, exactly, yeah. The, the, the time of uh, dawn. And the person, his flight is at 11. And let's say you left the city boundaries at 8 a.m. That's what we'll take into uh, consideration when you leave the city boundaries. So, in that case, the person doesn't have a choice, even if it's a 12-hour flight. Even if you're flying to New Zealand, you still have to keep the fast. And if you haven't left the local town at dawn, 
then you're not a traveler. Meaning this is the, the point to remember. You will still have to keep the fast. There's a reason why I'm repeating certain things because number one, they're very important. And number two, after this, we're playing Kahoot. So you better remember all of these rulings. <laughs> yeah. Remember all of these rulings. Remember all of these cases. Now, number three, it's not compulsory. Fasting is not compulsory on a menstruating woman. Number four, and uh, for menstruating women or a, a woman who's postnatally bleeding, if she becomes clean during the day from her menstruation, from her cycle, that entire fast must be made up after Ramadan. During the day, meaning the fast had already started, then she becomes clean. She still has to, she still has to make up uh, that fast after the month of Ramadan. Now, missed fasts must be made up at another time. So, if a person is terminally ill, terminally ill means you're sick indefinitely, then they pay fidya. What is fidya? Fidya is in place of fasting, which is the amount of one sadaqatul fitr per fast. For the year of 2023, the average amount for, for fidya and for sadaqatul fitr is $9.86. You can round it up to 10, $10, exactly. And uh, I remember a time where sadaqatul uh, fitr was like $4, $5. But the price of wheat has increased. And that's what it's uh, based on. So, number four is a pregnant woman and a breastfeeding woman. If there is fear of harm to either the mother or the child. If there is fear of harm, then they do not need to fast. Intention needs to be made each day to differentiate from worship and routine. From worship and routine to differentiate, to make uh, a distinction between the two, intention needs to be made. But remember, intention is just a feeling in the heart and knowing in your heart that you're fasting. And by default, every Muslim intends to fast. You don't need to sit and think uh, or verbally say that I'm going to be fasting uh, today because you wake up for suhoor and nobody else wakes up at on a regular day at that time, and you you wake up intending to fast. That's the purpose of you waking up for suhoor. So that's enough. That's enough to uh, to to fulfill the requirement of making the intention for fasting. Similar is the case with salah. Verbalizing your intention for salah is not necessary. Is not necessary. You don't need to make a verbal intention. For salah. And for psalm, there's that famous Ramadan the day before. That's not necessary. And when it comes to salah, you know that you're praying, you're praying four rakahs, facing the Kaaba for the sake of Allah, you know, Salatul Isha, for example. You you already know that you're doing it, you don't need to uh, verbally say it. And if the fast is already fixed for a certain day, then intention. Uh, meaning again, in, in the mind, must be made between Maghrib the night before and the midday. This is known as Dahwatul Kubra. And this is for the Ramadan fasts, uh, spec uh, specified vows and optional fasts. And when it comes to the Sahur, the aspect of fasting, which is known as the pre-dawn meal, the Sahur. The Prophet ﷺ has said regarding this Sahur, Bifatih Sin, he said, Tasaharu. He says, make suhoor, eat the pre-dawn meal, 
because verily it has barakah, it has divine blessing. And I want to tie this in with another narration of the Prophet that's recorded in Jami'ul Tirmidhi, wherein the Prophet he says, Allahumma barik li ummati fi bukuriha. Oh Allah, bless my nation, bless my people in their mornings. The Prophet has made a, a special dua for our morning, subhanAllah. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He takes an oath on the mornings. He says, tanafas, And the morning when it breathes. What's the literal meaning of the breath of the morning? When you're walking outside and you're on a field, what do you see? You see dew. You see all that dew? That is the breath of the morning. What's the figurative meaning? It's a new dawn. It's a new day. Refresh. Start anew. Start afresh. That is the uh, oath that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala takes on the, the morning, subhanAllah. And if you've noticed, a person is so much more productive in the morning. For example, you know, a, a, a night workout, you know, it hits nice. But a morning workout will keep you going for the entire day. Getting schoolwork done, if you, subhanAllah, if you have, uh, you know, an assignment and you want to do a crunch time, crunch time is not uh, f- from uh, 11 p.m. until 12 a.m. And that's because that's when they're due. But if if you want to get your assignment done, then crunch time is that morning time, subhanAllah. It's very blessed. It's very, very blessed that time. So, uh, the Prophet ﷺ, he said, Sahur is a blessed meal, so do not abandon it even if you only take a sip of water, even if you only take a sip of water, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and His angels send blessings upon those who have sahur. This is recorded in Musnad of Imam Ahmad rahmatullahi alayhi. So, the Prophet is not encouraging us just to have one sip of water. No. Have a healthy sahur. I think sahur is even more important than iftar. Why? Sahur keeps you going for the entire day. It keeps you going for the entire day. You need to have something very nutritious. It should be, uh, you know, full of protein, less carbs, because uh, the, the, the effect or, or the energy that protein gives you lasts longer than carbs. And when it comes to iftar, especially for those that are leading taraweeh, have a small iftar, something nutritious, maybe dates, water, some fruits, and ease up on the samosas and pakoras. I'm looking at you, aren't you? <laughs> I'm just playing, man. So... Uh, when it comes to iftar, when it comes to iftar, make sure it's nutritious and healthy. And if you want to eat, eat more after the taraweeh prayer. You don't want to be bothered in taraweeh. You don't want to be that guy that's belching and burping. And you know, I feel bad for the people that are next to those guys. That's not good, man. Especially that's, that's, you know, it throws off the whole vibe. You know, a person's trying to enjoy the taraweeh. You have mashallah, nice hufal leading here. And then all of a sudden, you hear someone in the back. Just remember that guy, Rehan? Oh man, that guy was, he was a legend. Yeah, don't worry, man. Me and him, we, we acknowledged uh, that I knew who he was and he knew that I knew. But anyways, yeah, you don't want to be that person. So, so have something nutritious, healthy when it comes to iftar. If you want to indulge, have something after taraweeh. But remember, sahur is very, very important. To delay the sahur close to the time of dawn is preferred. Okay? If someone fasted without sahur, it would be valid but they would have missed the reward and blessings of the sunnah of sahur. Now, what breaks the fast and what does not break the fast? This is very, very important. Actions which break the fast, that's one category. Then there are actions which do not break the fast. And then there are things to take into 
then there are three things to take into consideration when it comes to uh, fasting. So, actions that break the fast, there are two subcategories. The fast must be made up, which is called qada. And, or the penalty must be uh, carried out, which is known as kafara. Which is known as kafara. And we'll go into the details of what kafara is as well. Now, there are actions which do not break the fast. Then the subcategory is that they're not disliked. And the other category, they're disliked. And then the three things to take into consideration, eating, drinking, and intimacy. Now, a fast will break if the substance enters the body. Number one, it enters via a valid entry point, through a valid entry point. What's considered a valid entry point? The mouth, the nose, and the rectum. The mouth, the nose, and the rectum. Number two, the substance has to reach the digestive tract, the stomach. There has to be a direct connection between the substance and the digestive tract. And medically, the only three things that can connect to that are the mouth, the nose, and uh, the, the rectum. And if a person has a... Um, a, a popped eardrum, a perforated eardrum, then them as well. But for like a, a normal human being that doesn't have a perforated eardrum, then uh, that is not a valid entry point. And it has to be subs a substance which breaks the fast. And we'll, we'll explain further what that means. So the valid entry points, um, if the eardrum is ruptured, the mouth, the nose, the rectum, and or any other perforation or puncture which leads to the digestive tract invalid entry points are the eyes so people have this question all the time can i put in eye drops can i put in eye drops yes you can yes you can there is a slight uh a difference of opinion there's a small faction of scholars that say no eyes also lead but um the majority opinion is that the eyes have no connection with the digestive tract uh number two the male and female external genitalia, no connection uh, with the digestive tract. Uh, the ears, provided that the eardrum is not ruptured. Pores, uh, perforation or, or puncture, which does not lead to the digestive tract. For example, uh, injection into the veins. Okay, injection into the veins. No, no. Going for a blood test, does that break the fast or no? No, there's no direct connection with the digestive tract. So, substances which do not break the fast. You have to remember these. Number one, air. Number two, fragrance without a body. Number three, many other, I'm going to do a subcategory, dust. If, for example, uh, you're riding your bike outside and you're going really fast, and this probably happened to a lot of us when we were younger, you're riding and you, your bike really fast and a fly just enters your mouth and you swallow it. So if that happens while you're fasting, that does not break your fast. That does not break your fast. Steam, if it's taken in with one's breathing, even if they remember, they are fasting. If it's taken in intentionally, then the fast will break. What's the difference here? That you walk by the kitchen and your mom's chefing up something nice for iftar and you just walk by and the steam enters your nose, your fast is not broken. But if you go and you say, oh mom, what's, what's, what's cooking? And you go to the, the pot and you go, <laughs> that breaks your fast. Okay? 
that which is unavoidable, such as remnants of water left behind after rinsing the mouth and spitting. This is different to what? If you're making wudu and you're gargling your mouth and some water accidentally goes down, your fast is broken. What is this referring to? This is referring to you're done making wudu, you made sure no water went down and you wiped your face, you spat out three times just because you wanted to be careful that you know you don't uh, swallow any water that you, that you use for making wudu and then you go to your room and your mouth starts watering up and then you start getting thoughts. Oh man, is this water from my saliva or is it from the water that I use to make wudu? And if you, and you, you're, you know, you get nervous and you go and you spit it out. No, that's fine. You can swallow that. That won't break your fast. Even if that water is from the water that was making wudu. Why? There's a concept. This is, this is derived from, from an asl, from a principle, legal maxim, uh, of taklif ma la yutaq. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala won't overburden us with more than that which we can bear. More than that, we can bear. More than what we can bear. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will not do that to any of us. So, uh, a person doesn't need to be paranoid when it comes to, um, uh, making wudu and then afterwards thinking that that water is, um, is the, is the water that you, uh, used while making a wudu. And if there's something stuck between the teeth, smaller than a small chickpea, let's say, you had a granola bar for sahu, okay? And the time of fajr hit, the dawn, time of dawn, it came in. And you you have it in the back of your teeth. And you're in Salatul Fajr, you're praying, and then you start praying with it like this. And then it comes out, and it's very small. And you swallow it. That does not break your fast. However, if you see something that's very small, you've already started fasting. You've already started fasting. You see something that's very small, smaller than a small chickpea, and you put it in your mouth because you said Sheikh said it's okay. You put it in your <laughs> mouth and you swallow it. Fast is broken. Do you guys understand the difference? The subtle difference is if it was already there and you just you know you take it out of your teeth and you swallow it versus you putting it in your mouth. Now something which dissolves so fine that it does not go down the throat. Something that dissolves so fine that it does not go down the throat that does not uh, break a person's fast. Now. There's something that we have to remember. This is a, a question that's asked almost every Ramadan to almost every scholar. Forgetting versus making a mistake. Forgetting versus making a mistake. If someone forgets that they're fasting and carries out an act which breaks the fast, the fast will not break. Let's say it's the first day of Ramadan. I'm not fully in the Ramadan vibe yet, although I should be six months before Ramadan even comes. Let's say I think it's a regular day, I'm at school, and I see real fruit, and I go inside real fruit, and I get myself a nice mango diamond slush, and I chug the whole thing down. I completely forgot that I'm fasting. Is my, is my fast broken after I remember and after the, the, the cup is already thrown away? No, my fast is still intact, alhamdulillah. My fast is not broken. Versus, versus, I'm making wudu, and I, I'm completely aware that I'm fasting. I'm aware of the fact that I'm fasting and I'm trying to be careful when I'm gargling that I don't swallow any water, but I accidentally swallow some water. Not forgetfully. I remember that I'm fasting, but I accidentally swallow some water. Is my fast broken? Yes or no? Yes. yes. So now we understand the difference between forgetting and a mistake. Yes? One is intentional, one is unintentional. Exactly. Intention versus uninten intentional versus unintentional. So, but if you see someone eating, then it's necessary to remind them, okay, uh, that they are fasting, unless 
they're really old. Unless they're really old, then um, you can let them be. You can let them be. This is for the, the, the fasting of Ramadan. This is for the fasting of Ramadan. If one accidentally swallows something, then the fast will break. I, just, I repeated that just so we can remember. And also for cahoots. Now, what is kafara? What is kafara? A penalty is required when the crime is maximized and maximum benefit is acquired. Penalty is only required for breaking a Ramadan fast in the month of Ramadan intentionally without any excuse. Now, let's give some examples. If a person um, has a qada to make up, but it was, it was initially it was a Ramadan fast, but you're making up a Ramadan fast in Shawwal. Let's say it's Shawwal and you have a fast to make up. Now, if you intentionally um, take maximum benefit and you eat, does this necessitate kafara? Yes or no? Does this necessitate the penalty? No. Why? Because it wasn't in the month of Ramadan. That's one of the conditions. That was a Ramadan fast, but you were making it up afterwards. So it has to be in the month of Ramadan, and it has to be intentional, and it has to be without any excuse. And a penalty is required when a substance is swallowed, it has nutritional benefit, or medicinal benefit, or it provides enjoyment. Any of these four. It's swallowed, it has nutritional, sorry, those three and it's swallowed, has nutritional benefit, medicinal benefit, or provides enjoyment. This is for the penalty. The penalty is what will explain that uh, the 60 days fasting in a row, not the, the making up one qada. That's just one qada is making up one fast in lieu of a fast that uh, you broke or missed in the month of Ramadan. If it is not something which is usually eaten, let's say uh, Fawzan's on the beach in the summer and it's a hot summer day and he, he gets hungry and he sees the sand and there's nothing, there's no food around him. So he picks up the sand and he eats the sand to break his fast. Is kafara necessary upon him or no? Yes or no? Yeah. No. Generally it would be if it's food, but sand isn't considered food unless you eat sand on your spare time. But no. aren't you like eating and it's like going into your digestive tract? Yes, but remember, that's qada will be necessary. Oh, yeah. qada, remember the, the conditions. It has to have nutritional benefit. Pretty sure sand doesn't have nutritional benefit or medicinal benefit or it provides enjoyment. I'm pretty sure Siri had the answer for that. So penalties will drop when there is any sort of doubt that is raised. The Prophet ﷺ, he says in a hadith, that penalties are dropped when there's any sort of doubt that is raised. For example, eating intentionally after cupping, eating in forgetfulness after vomiting, or having a wet dream, or breaking a fast after making intention during the day, as opposed to uh, after, uh, you know, um, they're applying kuhl, all of these different things, they do not necessitate the penalty. They do not necessitate kafara. And penalties are dropped when a mistake is made. Now, um, for the kahoot, we have all of the different questions, inshallah, 30 questions that we will go over. And remember, some of these I might have not mentioned specifically. So what you'll have to do is, you'll, the principles that I mentioned, you'll have to apply them to the to every scenario, That's to the specific good. scenario. So it's like a, exactly application questions. Mm. 
<laughs> I know, yeah, I see, despises those. But it's like a mental exercise. And a lot of you guys, mashallah, are students and you guys, uh, you know, uh, like being mentally stimulated, right, Isa? He's an engineering student. Come on, man. This should be a piece of cake for you. So, and a biology major, where is he? Oh, he's not even here. Where did, where'd your brother go? Oh, okay. Oh, yeah, they're not even here yet. So, when it comes to, um, intimacy, should we go over that as well? Because I'm pretty sure. Yeah? If complete intercourse penetration happens regardless of whether ejaculation took place or not, then a qada and a penalty will be required. Because there was penetration. If there was no penetration, but there was physical stimulation and ejaculation, then a fast will be have to made up, but there will be no kafara, no penalty. If there was no physical stimulation or ejaculation, then the fast will not break. Another point to keep in mind, wet dreams will not break the fast. When it comes to kafara, what is kafara? What is the penalty? It's fasting consecutively for 60 days without a break. Without a break. Okay, let's say a person is making up kafara outside of the month of Ramadan. You fasted for 58 days, but the 59th day something came up and you couldn't fast. What you have to do? Start over. Start all over again. That's kafara. Okay, only the only valid break is menstruation for a woman. Feeding 60 poor people the amount of Sadaqatul Fitr, if one cannot fast, is the other option. If one cannot fast. So it's not the other option. It's if you can't do A, then B. So if after breaking a fast on that day, there was a natural reason to not fast, such as menstruation or falling severely ill, then the penalty will drop. One penalty is sufficient for the fasts of one Ramadan. For the fasts of one entire month of Ramadan. If the fasts are from separate Ramadans, then there are three opinions. One penalty is sufficient for all past fasts which were broken. Uh, one penalty for the fasts of one Ramadan. I found this and if the fasts were broken by eating or drinking, then one penalty will suffice. If it was through intimacy, then one penalty per Ramadan. Now, We'll go over some of the disliked and non-disliked acts during fasting. Again, there is a difference of opinion amongst the scholars. Um, but some of the disliked uh, actions during fasting is chewing uh, gum without a valid reason. Let me correct that. Chewing flavorless gum without a valid reason. Because chewing flavored gum, what will happen if you swallow the flavor that breaks your fast? Whereas if it's flavorless gum, you're not swallowing. And there's nothing, there's no flavor to swallow in the first place. So uh, what else is disliked is kissing one spouse. Uh, gathering spit and swallowing. Try to avoid that. Try, just try to avoid that. Um, delaying suhoor uh, to a point where there is doubt. Meaning, you know, you're, you're really pushing it. And that happens to a lot of us who eat till the last minute. Try not... Eating because sometimes you won't realize and you don't you're not paying attention and it's the next minute already uh, kicks in and it, it's already the time of dawn. So you would say like five ten minutes before. Yeah, better. exactly. Just so just, so just start early and then you can eat up right until uh, the, the the point of dawn. But don't be rushing. Right. Don't be rushing. So eat calmly. Eat calmly so that you know you can eat right up until the last minute, but comfortably. Now um, doing certain acts which will weaken a person. Now the Prophet ﷺ, he says in a hadith that hijama, cupping, 
breaks a person's fast, but in essence, does does hijama directly nullify a person's fast? No. The Prophet is saying this because when a person does cupping, it will weaken them. And when a person is weak, they will need food, they will need water to give them strength, so they will eventually end up breaking their fast. So the Prophet was saying this, in consideration of that which was going to happen, that which, that, that which will happen if you end up cupping uh, while you are fasting. Exactly. Now, another uh, common one amongst some of, or, or majority of the scholars is, it is that is dislike to brush your teeth while fasting. But I am of a different opinion. Okay, so if you forget to brush your teeth, you know, a time of sahur, it's okay. Try to use, my, my tactic is use less, less toothpaste, um, and less water, I guess, if that helps. And, um, you just spit out because the only reason is why they have considered it disliked is because there's a possibility that it could go down your throat. And you don't want anything that could potentially lead you to uh, the, the toothpaste going down your throat. Exactly. Now things that are, of course, non-disliked rather, uh, this is recommended is using a miswak. Using a miswak. Now if you know that cupping will not severely weaken you, then you can also do cupping. Um, finding ways to cool yourself down. Um, applying kuhal and all of these um, things. Now abstaining from eating when a person is not fasting. It is compulsory for the following to abstain from eating and drinking even if they are not fasting. Number one, one who eats past Fajr time or open their fast before sunset. Meaning, uh, let's say Fajr time was at 5.30 a.m. And you're eating, you're eating, and you're not paying attention to the clock, and it, you're eating, and you stopped eating at 5.34. Your fast for that day, you have to make up that fast. So you have to do a qada for that fast, but you still have to act like a fasting person. Meaning, you still have to abstain from eating and drinking for the rest of the day. Menstruating women who become pure during the day, who become pure during the day, they have to, they have to, Act like a fasting person until iftar. Meaning, they, they uh, should abstain from eating and drinking. If a sick person feels better, same thing. A child becomes mature, reaches puberty, hits puberty during the day. Embracing Islam during the day. If a traveler reaches home. If it takes place before midday and they haven't eaten, they must keep the fast except the menstruating woman who uh, completed her uh, cycle. Now for individuals who, upon whom it's not compulsory to avoid eating, uh, a menstruating woman, just in her regular days of uh, menstruation, a sick person, and a traveler. Now when it comes to medication and treatment, then there are always two individuals that you have to um, go to for counsel. Is Number one, a medical professional, and number two, your local imam for the uh, jurisprudential ruling, exactly, and spiritual advice. So consult your local scholar and medical professionals when it comes to med medication and treatment because it's, it's most likely going to be a case-by-case -case, uh, scenario. Try to manage as best as possible even if it means missing a few days here and there. Now, oral medication that is swallowed breaks the fast. Uh, sublingual, meaning under the tongue, spray or tablet, uh, medication which diffuses into the blood, uh, asthma inhaler breaks the fast. 
concentrated oxygen will not uh, will not break the fast because if you're wearing an oxygen mask and it's a hundred percent oxygen this will not break the fast because what do you the breathe you, the, the air you breathe is oxygen now um, a nebulizer this will break the fast nasal inhaler uh, this will break the fast um, eye drops will not break the fast eardrops if your eardrum is, is not exactly if your eardrums are not popped or e even one then uh, this will not break the fast now certain or a few uh, miscellaneous rulings number one uh, children should be encouraged to fast as much as they are able to as much as they are able to and the final miscellaneous ruling is that the pre-dawn meal should be delayed and uh, breaking of the fast meaning the iftar should not be delayed. So try to have iftar as soon as possible. Now, keeping all of these points in mind, inshallah, we'll also play kahoot to, to see, to test everyone's knowledge and see who was paying attention and who wasn't. And we'll have a Q&A after uh, the kahoot session, inshallah. But remember, this was just the fiqh of fasting. Now, when it comes to uh, preparing for Ramadan spiritually, you should have been there for my khutbah on Friday. But if not, inshallah, we'll have another session to talk about the different things that we can do to spiritually prepare for the month of Ramadan. So we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to grant us the ability to truly fast the way Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants us to fast. And we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to make this Ramadan a blessed one for us. Amen. And we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to forgive us our sins and reunite us in Jannatul Firdaus. Amen. Amen.